0: Hello. This is Pleased to Teach You, a podcast about teachers and their life journeys. This is Project Bison, third episode, where I interview people from the Boy Scout camp that I worked at for the last four years. This week, I interviewed a friend of mine named Drew. He is the camp ranger. His job is mainly to make sure the camp literally stays together. If something is broken, he's there to fix it. If something is dirty, he's there to help everyone else clean it up. Drew's been here longer than most other people. He has seen the camp grow from a very small camp to what it is today. It used to be that only a few troops of only a few families would come and participate in Camp Buffalo Bill, but today we can hold up to 300 if not more. The most amazing thing about Drew is that you can't not learn when you're next to him. I consider Drew a very profound teacher in that regard. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Drew. Let's start with your favorite battle to talk about. Favorite battle in history? Yeah. Favorite battle? Well,
1: I don't really have a favorite battle because they're all terrible, but I guess if I were to state one battle that fascinates me, and I am continuously drawn to, is probably uh, Neville Offensive or the Battle of the Somme. Really, just the Western Front of the First World War is a... Uh, it. It could really just be considered one big battle because it never really ended. Front lines moved, and there was offensives, and there were skirmishes and all that, but it was always the same location, more or less, and it just moved around that's something that always fascinated me was the Western Front and I still continuously like to study it because um, there's so much to learn in it A lot, and it's not just like I, I love the uniforms, I love the military orders, I love the equipment and all the stuff but the thing that I'm really interested in, by is the humanitarianism in it, like the, the artists, the poets the acts of mercy and just the goodness of humanity uh, shown yeah. through in maybe the worst situations ever and that's something that the Western Front does that is in recent memory and in a time where people have the ability to write that makes it so particularly amazing to me is that you get a very vernacular very common perspective from French English German soldiers and how they're viewing this uh, conflict and how most of them don't even seem they want to be there. And that they, they feel like God's punishing them. They feel like uh, the world's punishing them. They're trying to figure out what they did wrong. Or that they're, they're trying to redeem themselves and they, and they think that they've done something wrong. And so they'll show acts of mercy by not shooting a soldier if he exposes his face or something like that, like. And then on that, then you, you get one of maybe the most beautiful military engagement in history. Which was the Christmas Truce of 1914. Oh, yeah. Where the uh, soldiers didn't just stop fighting and they all came out and they started shaking hands, started talking whatever gerbil German or French or English they knew. And a lot of them actually decided that the First World War will end that night. And they, because here's the thing a lot of people don't really get is that they're like, oh, uh, the soldiers just went back to the trenches and started fighting the next day. That's not what happened. Those soldiers were content on the war being over forever that very night. And what caused the war to continue was that the officers found out. And the officers were furious because the officers were the ones who were really the men pushing the agenda of this war. And so they had all the units on the front line recalled, moved to the back, circulated through again so that next Christmas truce there'd be no way of uh, affiliating yourself with the guys no memories and all that and the soldiers were just fine shooting at the Germans or the French or the British again and another thing that ensured that the Christmas truce stopped was that the men in the back who shot the cannons and the artillery they had no affiliation of what was going on at the front and so you tell them you know, uh, fire on the front in no man's land right now right? and so you just start shelling and that's how you end the Christmas truce, you know? So I guess that's that's the thing. There's so many artists that came out of the trenches in the First World War. A lot of modern art movements happened. Music progressed. All acts of humanity progressed uh, through through, like, literature and poetry. You know, there wasn't a single thing that was not touched. It's architecture and sculpture. The First World War was a horrible, horrible war. But it had so much humanities that came out of it. Yeah. unlike World War II where no artistic movements were really spawned or created because that was just a war of killing citizens and unarmed people that was not a war of soldiers versus soldiers that was a war of genocide and yeah. slaughter which World War II is easier to learn about for most people because there were villains for sure and yeah. World War I on the other hand it was just a bunch of soldiers told to kill each other Yeah. how many years have you been here again this is my 10th year Mm -hmm. yeah thank you happy double digits yes what is the biggest change you've seen here oh I've seen so many changes were you here before Andrew one year before Andrew of course Andrew was taking a hiatus because I think this is Andrew's like 13th or 14th year I don't remember exactly but I showed up in what is known by me and Andrew as the CBB uh, the Camp Buffalo Bill Dark Ages a time where camp was making no money and in fact it was losing council money it was just something that they had and I don't know why they didn't pull the plug on it like nothing was coming out of it and this was like uh, 11, 10 years ago like when I was introduced to Camp Buffalo Bill
0: yeah.
1: and the staff sometimes would be as many as the people taking program and high Venture combined Wow. I, yeah The week I showed up as a scout There was only two troops Mine And some troop from Idaho And our troop consists of five It was me My dad My brother And another father And his son And that was our whole troop And then the other troop Was like probably like 16 And we Basically Got all the staff's attention It was the most wonderful camp site I've ever been to in my life Because Of the uh, intimacy Of the relationship You held with the Uh people who worked here because as i said there's so few of us but yeah <laughs> um, uh, yeah yeah but the biggest changes i definitely could say this isn't the camp that i grew up with like that's how much has changed yeah this isn't the camp that i worked at as a cit because that camp that camp was run by madmen that camp was uh making no money that camp uh had old, run-down equipment, and it had ideology. This was, this was the idea of the staff. If it's broken, finish it off. And everybody on camp fell into that basket, you know? If it was something that was, like, dinged up, like if it was glass, and had a chunk missing out of it, it's like just drop it on the floor, put it in the dustpan, then uh, never replace it. And that, was, that was the old camp that I grew up with. Uh, yeah. And that ideology has absolutely changed, and I've been around to witness the whole change of now it's if something's broken, report it see if it can be fixed and if it can't be fixed, then replace it and it, it's absolutely different because I worked archery when I did program so 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 many years ago and uh, we had these uh, bowstring making kits and all of them were homemade pieces of uh, absolute junk and I remember me and Tristan Van Maren when we got to a requirement of how do you make a bowstring, they would say, this is how you make a bowstring. We'd open up the flap to the tent, and we'll overhead throw the bowstring maker down the hill as hard as we could. And after the lesson, we'd go down and get it and bring it back. And then we'd sign him off on the requirement, because that's just how things were back then. It was such a lack of perfection and officialness, and that's just how it was. And, of course, I, I've completely changed from that ideology since then. i developed through with camp and how it feels about how things should be done but
0: yeah,
1: back in the day dishwashing was done by one person on staff at a time like one person did the the collecting the dishes, putting the dishes through, putting them on the rack and then stacking them up and then at the end, because we never had enough sta- or scouts to ever use all the dishes we'd then uh, run them out yeah. after everything was done so that, that's how it used to be And now we have, like, a whole crew back there that work. And it seems a little bit more chaotic to me because I'm used to just one person working back there at a time. And so I'm not really fond of dishes because I'm used to being the one totally in charge of everything. That's one thing I have not gotten out of. There's a few things I haven't gotten out of, like... There's this uh, gentleman uh, by the name of uh, Lord Blackadder. And one of my favorite quotes from him is... If you want something done right, kill the men and do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes I that's how I feel about a lot of things. Yeah. I had help uh today. Like someone helped me uh do do some labor today. Yeah. And I gave I gave them the the list. I was like, Oh okay, here's what you do. And in particular I had them shoveling out fire pits. Yeah. And I, I told them what fire pits I wanted them to hit up and send them on their way. And it, it wasn't done the way I would have done it because uh, we we hand out garbage bags and they fill them full of shovel them full of uh, charcoal and crap and ash and all that. And this uh, kid, he fill he put like entire logs and burning stumps inside the garbage oh, bags, no. and then dragged them out to the road so they were falling apart and absolutely dilapidated, and then expected me to come by with the ranger and just pick it up casually and just drop it in. Of course, the thing just fell apart in my hands and looked like. Absolute junk got all over my class A and everything, so I had to change that today. So yeah, that's just like it was a simple task, but I would have done it so much another way in my own way, you know. So that's usually why I don't like help for things that I usually have to result in the end clean up.
0: Yeah.
1: So cleaning up. up. Mm Yep. Yeah, yeah, I spent like probably twenty minutes cleaning up one of the garbage bags that couldn't take all the weight he put inside it. So. Yeah. I'm going to have to clean up the vehicle later because I put one of those ugly, messed up garbage bags inside it. So, yeah, that's uh, just one problem I have. with
0: yeah. Oh, but... What was your most favorite week this year? Yeah.
1: Just the best week. Just what? Mm. Uh, not, not the recent. Not this one. That's for sure. <laughs> um, no, not this one. Uh, I'd say it was... Uh, Maybe one, two, or three. Maybe last week. I think last week was a good yeah, week. Yeah,
0: for a large group of people, I don't think about
1: it. it like went very know. well. All of them were very respectful.
0: Yes.
1: There There's a few problems, a few hiccups, a few problem children, like the poop-a-trader. Oh, yeah.
0: mm-hmm.
1: The kid who laid seven loads of dump all over camp. Never knew who he was, but I guess he never used a toilet before because it was one for every day. You remember the ketchup caper? I remember the Ketchup caper, and that was during a large week as well. I put out, I think that the total bounty was $140 for the kid laying ketchup packets underneath tires, toilet seats, sleeping bags. And it wasn't just because he was doing that, it's also that this is bear country.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's just something really stupid to do. Yeah. yeah. So what do you do in your off time? Like when you're not here, what do you have to do? Well, uh, I'm a plumber, and also, though, when I'm not working as a plumber, I like to draw a lot, really crude, uh, not very professionally done cartoons, as well as uh, I like to write really, really, really bad <laughs> literature with my friends. Well, not bad Comedic, as in... Yeah, 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 satirical. Not like bad as in, oh, there's no punctuation, no oh, the spelling's off, and oh, this is just poorly written. Horrible terrible stories as in don't read this a lot when grandma's in the room kind of thing. Like, yeah. And I'll, I'll leave those at that. We're we're getting away from that. We're just trying to go with complete satire and comical genius. Yes. And, like yes. with
0: I've witnessed a few. Mm-hmm.
1: Though the, 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 the one I told genius. you guys about the, the other night is definitely yeah. the most crude and crass story we've made. Most of the ones are just farce yeah. and insulting slight aspects but not nearly as many uh, vulgarities where it's like you need a tally sheet to keep up with the <laughs> But yeah. yeah. Um, no, but then uh, the last thing I guess I do is and this is one of the most time-taking things. I really, 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 really love to read about history.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's just what I do with a lot of my time. Okay. The problem with history is that I can't just read a history book. I have to write down everything that I think is valuable information because I write something down I usually don't forget it, so... Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah. So, usually, when I'm reading a book, I always have to have a clipboard with me, especially when it's about history. Yeah. So I could take notes on names, dates, uh, cultural aspects, artists, their pieces, or names for, like, you know, just everything. And the thing I love about history is everything is history. Like, I just got a book recently, and I love it. It's, uh... A complete encyclopedia of all mammals on Earth. Of course, the book was made in 1995, so maybe it's... Well, who knows? Maybe it's larger because some animals may have gone extinct, or maybe it's smaller because more animals could have been found. I don't know. But what it does have that's valuable to me is with every animal, it has a little map of the world, and it highlights the areas where these animals are found. Yeah, like ornithology books. Yeah. And it's absolutely useful to me as a historian because it's good to know what native species live where because uh, that's just valuable information. Because the thing about history is, as I said, everything's history. And everything you can learn about a society is relevant to uh, history. Like, I love reading about the uh, high Middle Ages, 1000 to 1300 a lot. And so how that works, though, is that I can't. I got to make sure that everything is native to Europe, or at least the Middle East. That could be shipped to Europe. You know, yeah. Nothing from America. So like, I got to make sure the source I'm reading never mentions the word potatoes or tomatoes or corn. Oh, okay. You know, because corn, potatoes, and tomatoes come from America. And say so you got to make sure that you stay away from sources. They'll be like, oh yeah, they probably fried potatoes in a pot in the Middle Ages. It's Like, oh no, no, they didn't have potatoes in Europe till like the Middle Renaissance. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing Is like it's very valuable to learn what did they have and if you can find out what's native to a nation that means it's usually probably always been there and that information is still probably even relevant today yeah but so it's like um, I learned about this bison that lives on the outer borders of Poland and Russia like it's just in that sweet spot right against the uh, the, the bay I forgot what the bay was called but there's a European bison, which I never knew about. Because, you know, when I think of bison, I think of uh, the American bison. I think of Lewis and Clark and how fascinated they were when they saw their first bison. And so it's really funny because they... And this is something I found out used to exist in Europe, in mass. Now the only ones that live in wildlife preserves in, like, uh, Russia and Poland. And they're slowly making a comeback. But for the most part, in, like, the... uh 1800s they just got hunted in mass you know but you know finding out about that thing though I could assume there was probably a whole heck of a lot more of them back in the ancient days of Russia or in the middle ages which actually now that I think of it and this is uh, just me coming to a realization but I did read a quote from a king once in England who referred to Russians as bisons this was in the middle ages so that definitely solidifies that idea I don't remember the name of the king but he was English I know that much I know he was making fun of Russians I know yeah so that's just the thing is that I just talked about animals the whole time more or less but that is all absolutely relevant to history same with like basic forms of science like uh, chemistry and like mixing rocks as rocks together and Geology You know every Everything can be, Have historical value It's
0: not one History is not one dollar It's a whole lot, Like it goes
1: mm-hmm. On and on and on Every topic Fits into history somewhere Unless it's something Relevant to like Now like Phone Phone repair You know that, That's <laughs> yeah. not too Yeah Unless you're doing like Phone repair Relevant to 1910 Then I'll say Okay yeah But it's like If it's like Cell phone repair so telephone telephone. That, repair That's still Really recent you know for me at least history begins in I'd say 1970
0: yeah
1: or I mean ends in 1970 like if you if you're doing like 1980s I don't really consider that uh, official history just because there's so much of that world that's relevant today yeah like um, if and I know a lot of people like oh but it's changed so much it's like yeah but people like to clump middle ages and renaissance in the same category and that's changed even more you know like People still wear jeans. People still wear white T-shirts. I'm wearing a white T-shirt, you know. People still wear those terrible jogging shorts that go up above your thighs, hmm. you know. So it's like, uh, it, the world looks pretty dang similar. There's just less leather jackets, I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's just little things like that. But so that's that's how yeah. I kind of feel about that. But yeah. Two more questions. Yeah, let's have them.
0: Have you ever been out of the country?
1: Never. Any places you'd be interested in going? if you ever had a chance? be worried um, i'd love to i'd love to see uh so many things from history like just go visit like the many spots i'd love to see the architecture i'd love to be in the actual buildings of places that i've read about so many times but uh, i'd love to see uh i'd love to see the graveyards of the first world war i'd love to see the uh castles and the gothic cathedrals and oxford yeah. just because that the Hawksford's 400 years older than the Aztec Empire, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I'd love to see Moscow. I'd love to see the Ming River in China, Yangshi. I'd love to see uh, what buildings, like the oldest buildings in Japan that still exist, because you don't really hear about those much. I've tried oh, yeah. to do research on ancient buildings in Japan, and for some reason I never really come up with many... Kind of a long laundry list, if anything, you know. Like the oldest things I can find really are shrines and gravestones and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then it's like I'd love to, I'd love to see like Timbuktu in particular, like the Great Mosque that was built in like eleven hundred. You know, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Like I'd love to see so many things all over the world that just are relevant to history that I've read about, archaeology and, and uh, architecture and yeah, like those are because. People have, cha- people have changed. People have changed, but people are still very similar. Like people love and hate and want to create, want to be kind, want to hurt as much as they've always done. Like h- the human mind and just how, how people are has remained consistent. But the world and the overall culture has uh, changed. Like I wouldn't want to talk to. Like say, people over in Europe or Africa, because they're not the people that I'm entirely too interested in, you know'cause they're they're used to a lifestyle with tennis shoes and jeans and computers yeah. And i and yeah if 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 you if you know what I mean, like yeah. I'd talk to them and I'd be kind to them and I'd be like and i not just talk them about like everyday things, I'd talk to them like I'm talking to you now, but it's like I wouldn't take any notes, you know, yeah. So, I guess that's my answer for yeah. the world today. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you, is there
1: anything you want to say to the world? Anything I want to say to the world? Uh, um, like, just, yeah, anything else you'd like to say? History is really relevant. And, you know, if, it's not... Here, here's something I've had trouble coming to grips with. But people just don't care. And that's something that I'm slowly re- reaching that point at where I'm just like, oh yeah. Just don't care. They they probably never will, because that's just how it is, you know. Why why isn't everyone caring about history always, you know? Why do you, why is there just a short list of historians through most decades in history? You know, it's just because no one really cares to learn it. That's just how it is. Is that it's right there, and you know, there. The, I I think the psychology behind a lot of people is that it's just right there. If I ever need it can just pick it up but they never do you know like uh i i used to have skis and i always wanted to go skiing right i had them in my garage i never skied and so that, that's i think that's basically my comparison for history is that people think there's more important things to do and i, and I don't blame them you know uh i don't know why i love history i don't know why uh I I was chosen by something to love history and pursue it and every aspect, waste hours and hours and years and years to make these documents and books and make my graphs and charts and little booklets of demography and populations and stuff like that. I don't know what's driven me to do that. But to me, it feels relevant. To me, I'm like, "This, this is maybe the most important information on the world to me. And I, and I just can't really explain to anyone else, or like, why is this important? And all it can really be is I guess it just is, you know? yeah. Like, I'm gonna never really have a real answer. I'd like to say that history has the answers to everything. And in some ways, you know, to a lot of social issues, a lot of sociology, a lot of anthropology, a lot of political science and stuff. The answers of patterns can be found definitely in history. But, you know, you just gotta look. And here's a problem with history. Here's one problem with history. If you're looking for something in history, you will find it. Like, if you go out intentionally looking for some way to slander a group you don't like, some way to find your political system working, some way to convince yourself that these this culture is the worst culture on earth, some way to say that this religion is the worst religion on earth you know if, if you have a goal in what you're looking for in history you will find it it doesn't matter what it is very specific you'll find what you're looking for in history unless it's something like out of this world and that might be a little bit more tricky but <laughs> no like if you, if you want to convince yourself that Art. the English are the worst people on earth then you can do that easily you want to convince yourself Moroccans are the worst? Easy. You want to convince yourself that people of uh, Madagascar are the worst? You know, it's like I could just go on forever and ever. Uh, Montenegro, Italy, Russia, Mongolia, Taiwan, America, Bol- Bolivia. You know, it's like you can find whatever you want. And that's what's dangerous about history. Is that you can convince yourself things if you want to. And you can take that information. And because you have dates and because you have names and because you have the data, you can share it with other people and convince some of these things. And that's a big problem with history is that it could be manipulated. And that uh, I never try to do that. I try to make sure I maintain this absolutely holistic perspective. I'm not going to say I'm unbiased. I certainly do have a bias on which cultures and nations and societies I approve of more, and which nations and societies I'm glad are now no longer around if not stamped into the earth and completely uh gone but it's like i, I don't try to show that, share the information because that's my own opinion and if i can i just give data of the population how many towns they had how much cities they had and all that you know just trying to make sure that i'm just giving out real information and that's the thing i like to do i like to give out very short real factual information that's why i like numbers that's why I like population. That's why I like how many towns were there, how many soldiers did they have, how many horses were in use. You know, you can just find those numbers and put them down. It's like that's factual. That's all you can say about it. And you can use those numbers and you can look at them. And go, okay, I can understand their society more based on those numbers. And that's all I do. I don't, I don't write a book and I say these people were dumb because they slept on logs. You know, I don't say things like that. I never say things like that. But I read books. I read peer review papers, I read, I read like papers and research and essays that people make on history and moments and cultures, and they'll just flat out say, well, at least they're not as dumb as X, and I'm just like, never want to do that. And also, I guess if I have one final remark, the past isn't as bad as people make it out to be. Here's about, and I'm to round up the number a bit, 108 billion human beings have lived on Earth. Since like a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand years ago, like, so basically the, the the beginning of civilized man to now is about, hundred and fifty, no, yeah, hundred fifty thousand years, and roughly, one hundred and eight billion people. And This is a lot of demographers, and this is my preferred number. Couldn't be fact. You don't know if it's factual or not. This is the number I'm currently going with. I may have a different answer in twenty five, thirty years, but, um, really. How many of them have a report written about them because they did something wrong? How many of these people have gone down in history because they're wrong, villainous, evil, or cruel? 108 billion people. And I'm guessing that maybe less than 200 million people have been involved in like documents and history saying that they were evil people. And I'm guessing most of them come from the 20th century because you know you can you can have the numbers. How many people were part of the SS? how many men were a part of the KBGT and you know, all those guys, the guards at Auschwitz, the guards in the gulags, the, the soldiers who worked for Nando, the soldiers who worked for Mao Zedong, you know. There's not so as you many. Did not have it at all? Yeah, she came up here a while ago and then she left. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's really... People give history a bad rap. People assume that. Everyone back then were sheep. People assume that everyone back then would kill their neighbor if they suspected them of like witchery or something like that, but it's like, as I said, a hundred and eight billion people have lived on earth, and you know we capitalize on the the extremists yeah, we capitalize on the extremists of all countries, all nations, and of most of those hundred and eight billion people, most of them lived, made ends meet, worked. Sometimes they may have not worked as hard as others, but in the end, all, uh, all people uh, die. And, as I said, 108 billion people have lived on Earth. Lost, 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 no,
0: Pleased to Teach You is a podcast brought to you by 88.1 The Berg, Central Washington University's
1: radio station. The cover art for the podcast is made by Katherine Guevara, who can be reached at katherineguevara 2001 at gmail.com. If you have any questions about the show or teachers you want to recommend, you can contact the show at pleasetoteachyou at yahoo.com. If you enjoy the podcast, then spread the word. Have a wonderful day.